Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but just as importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We also have just recently launched the Captain Strategy Workshop. This is a great way for you to, instead of working with us individually on a per client basis, you get to work with a collective group of people who are working on their strategic plan and a group process to help you design your own strategic plan. It's a great process with great principles. Once again, learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We like to do a shout out from time to time, and that is for Chaba Borzasi. He is the founder of Game of Conversions, and he's been a phenomenal person. Matter of fact, I just talked with him earlier today of, of uh, looking at his, his mastery, if you may, his, his gift that he has is learning how to write things the right way so you can help people when you're trying to sell something or provide information so the copy is done in the right way, so it's done in a friendly, approachable manner that you actually want to connect and buy the product or service that you're providing. So anyways, thank you very much to Chaba for this recommendation to Susan. Susan Harrow is a media trainer, marketing strategist, martial artist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul from HarperCollins. She specializes in working with the wild minds who solve the world's most pressing problems. And for over 30 years, She's trained thousands of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to appear on everything from Oprah to Inc. and turn their message into money using media appearances. Susan, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. And Chaba was so helpful. I'm so grateful for him for introducing us. And also, he was helping me with one of my opt-in pages. So I'm very grateful for that. And it was brilliant, um, very easy to implement changes, which we did immediately. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, we we provided some information. It's like, oh, you ought to consider changing it. <laughs> it was great. So we we you know we're talking with him, and he's wonderful. Uh, you know, once again, it's one of the things I, I think you've learned, Susan, uh, especially when you have a business, um, is you know you shouldn't assume you're doing everything the right way. And and that's it, there's a great book. It's who not how sometimes, right? It's it's finding the right partners in in the world around us, and that's one of the things I've loved about the podcast is connecting with so many brilliant people. You know, so you can find who's some of the best people in the world at something specific when you're tackling a new problem that you've never dealt with beforehand. So, Susan, why don't you share a little bit more about, we kind of said the kind of big picture, the bio, the short bio perspective. What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, how you, how you make an impact in the world today? 
Yeah. And I was thinking about my background too, because, and I had to go back to my LinkedIn page to review it, to review it, because I realized, you know, I have worked for two startups. So one was acquired by Sprint, but I really understand, you know, kind of the chaos that can happen when you're, when you're starting a business and all of those changes. And I actually started an, an account executive program that went nationwide from one of the, the startups, because there's a lot of um, opportunity for, you know, innovation. And so, you know, part of what, so I think you asked me, why do I do what I do? Like what, what makes me happy? Is that, was that the question? Yeah, no, please. And well, that's part of it, but also just gain, gaining that kind of the, the, what, what you're doing, if you may, you know, how are you actually supporting clients doing PR, you know, kind of talk about your, your day-to-day efforts that you're, you're working with your clients today. Yeah, so I work on a number of levels. So I work with everyone from beginners to people who are thought leaders. And depending on where they are in that process, some people are working on pitching investors, getting their next round funding. Um, Other people, a lot of women, but men have this too, come to me because they have imposter syndrome. And it is, you know, super common. One stat shows that it's 90% of us have doubt or imposter syndrome. So I think it's just, it's kind of an epidemic, but there's a real difference between doubt and, and, and imposter syndrome, I think. But I believe that whenever we start to go to the next level, it's a natural progression to start to feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, everyone else knows more than me and I don't belong in this league. So it's working on with people, um, ultimately on their confidence and calm to present themselves to the media in the best way that represents themselves, their business and their brand and their values and to show them that. So I work with people on panels, podcasts, um, TV, print, um, any like LinkedIn lives or Facebook, Instagram lives, any of those different mediums. So what they say has a real, has the impact that they want when I said to turn their message into money, it's not just money, it's opportunities, it's partnerships, it's PR can open up the whole entire world to you. So we look at everything that you want in your life and your business, and then we create those foundational messages and work with you as the person to, to deliver those messages. So it's essentially... Um, presenting, it's presenting, it's positioning and polish, you know, all of those kinds of things. So where are you in the marketplace? Are you delivering the message that you have? Is everything that you do say, are, and think in alignment with what you believe and what you're offering? Because that's when things really start to happen. So I work on all of that different levels from the marketing strategic planning, from your words to your website, all the way through how you are in um, presenting yourself and your business in whatever medium you choose. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I well, first of all, I'll go back to that statistic of the 90% of individuals have imposter syndrome. That's fascinating, like how significant that is. So when you're working with somebody to help overcome that and to help them recognize that, no, you actually are providing a deeper value in the world. What strategies do you do to help them overcome their doubt, right, of their own who they are? 
Yeah, a lot of it's reflection, but it's also, you know, some of my very first clients, um, I've been working with startups from, you know, since I'm near the Silicon Valley, like one of my startups was astrology.com a long time ago, and they got acquired for 60 million. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're working with startups, sometimes you're doing like a lot of different things too. But um, really, I worked with a lot of a lot of my clients were in the transformational space. So before mindfulness and meditation, and all of that was popular, I got to do the trainings for all of my clients with all of my clients. So I feel like I've gotten this deep training. And I've been meditating since I was a tot, I sort of discovered it by accident in church by staring at a candle. And then suddenly I was, you know, in some kind of expansive state. But I got really interested in it really pretty young and in high school and started experimenting with different meditation techniques. So while that's really kind of in the background, because when somebody comes to me, they are like, they want to do media and they want to, you know, and they want to express who their business is. They don't necessarily want to be trained on a meditation or tapping or whatever that is, but it's whatever is appropriate that can shift someone's internal barometer really quickly. So I work on the, the external level, which is cognitive behavioral level, which is also ex called exposure therapy, which is the more that you do something, the less you become afraid of it. So um, if you are, if you have like an aggressive interviewer, then I play that, like I played, um, you know, um, Dan Rather or like 60 Minutes or Bill O'Reilly, who's not on the air anymore, but any kind of like super aggressive, whatever the scenario is. So sometimes some people have trouble with intimacy, um, some intimate, intimate questions, you know, questions that are too personal. Other people have uh, trouble with being more aggressive or pointed and it, it triggers them. So whatever that is for you, we role play that and start to figure out, is it triggered from something way back in your childhood? Was it just triggered because, um, you know, whatever that is, we, we don't always have to know the source. We just want to go and say, well, how can I deal with this in the moment? So whatever is right for that person in the moment, whatever kind of practice that is, that's what we do together to get them to a state of calm and equanimity so they can master themselves to master the media. And by the way, um, we don't always know what those trigger points are until we have tapped into them. So for example, um, one startup, actually it was a pretty well-developed company that was international, but they were going for their next round funding three days with investors. And um, the CEO knew he was triggered by this one type of sales guy. And he's like, this guy gets under my skin every single time. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, let me play him. And she, he's like, oh my God, you're playing him. Exactly. He just told me a couple of things. And he's like, that's right. And so what, instead of trying to figure out like, where did this come from, which he can figure out with a therapist, right? We're like, okay, how do you deal with this right now? And I played that role with him until he felt comfortable and was no longer triggered at that same level. Mm. And, yeah. and why this is important, I have to imagine, right? Is if you're working with somebody and he got on funding, field, by the way. So he got it. Oh, again. good. Yeah. yeah so yeah, success. Yeah. So we had success. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But but the I think what's why why I bring this up and I think the questions why I'm asking the questions is it's hard to do PR if you don't believe it. Oh, you mean in right? yourself? Like if you don't. Believe yeah. It? Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. If you're helping somebody with PR and you're like helping to believe, no, this is really who you are and what you do, and if they don't buy into it, it's 
not it's going to come across that way right it's going to come across way and they'll also feel uncomfortable and as you i think said earlier in the beginning they're not going to be in alignment with all the messaging and, and information that goes through so I, I think that's brilliant that you're hitting not only on what i call the tactics of what the PR should be, you know, if you may, but also on the being side of who they are, helping them to recognize that um, they can overcome this imposter syndrome that's so common, right? So everyone is listening, you ever wonder if you're not where you feel you should be, uh, join the club. <laughs> you know, most of us have been there in one way, shape or form. So, you know, it's also one other thing, you know, I mean, here, here, it's, it's part of, um, we we used to think it was like you know with um Malcolm Gladwell's research we thought it was you know you sum somebody up in seven seconds but no it's called thin slicing it's uh, it's a fraction of a second we already know if we believe you know believe in you and we'll trust you and we'll buy from you we already know that thin we all have it and some people is more finely tuned and so once you have that initial impression then yes can you overcome it yes but we're all automatically assessing each other that's why presence is the most important thing and it is one of the most important things for startups too because if the investors don't believe in you and your leadership it doesn't matter how great you know oh i'm positioned here in the marketplace here's your roi if they don't believe that you as a leader can lead this company to success to success then you're not going to get the money, right? I mean, end of story. So you can have the best story in the world, but if you are not the best embodiment of your company and your idea, then it is for naught. And can you build that? Yes. Can we build character? Yes. But you also come with your own set of circumstances and genetics and all of that, right? Like, yeah. but but then we build upon upon that. So it's I don't believe in faking till you make it. I believe in practicing until it's embodied. Mm. Say that again. I think that was good. So, so well, Jennifer, you repeat that. Until you make it, I believe in practicing it until it is embodied. And and some of these, like when I was talking about meditation and tapping, some of it is a cumulative effect, meaning. You don't suddenly become calm after you know a couple hours of meditation or a couple months, but there are there is the buildup of that kind of internal self confidence that comes with these deep practices. It's the same with martial arts. I'm a black belt in Aikido. I am a very ugly black belt. I'm a black belt we consider is the beginning of being teachable. So my Aikido, sadly, because beauty and grace is a is a value of mine. I am not, I'm a beautiful tennis player, but I'm not a beautiful Aikidoka. So what happens on the mat is the same thing that happens in media. When somebody steps onto the mat, you know, you size them up exactly. You know where their weaknesses are and, and how confident they are. So part of stepping onto the mat is feeling that internal power and, and extending it out into the world before you even step on the mat so that your opponent feels it and you can begin to command yourself, you know, and it's the same thing with media. You know, we are all nervous and I still get nervous. It's, it's, I still get nervous even for podcasts. I've eaten very little that doesn't go away, but I, I love, who did I hear the other day? Somebody said, I choose to turn my nervousness into excitement. And I'm like, yes. And that's not an easy choice either, because, you know, when we're nervous, that's what we're feeling, but it, it's, it, they're very similar energies. So part of that is, is being able to do the practices 
off the mat, off the media, and then practicing when you are in the venue that you're going to be in. Like if you are pitching investors, you want to do that as realistically as possible, you know, so you can get the feel of it and um, be in studio. If you're going to do TV, be on a panel, you know, do mock-ups like that. So you can get the feel of it because that's what's sometimes missing is getting the feel in, in your internal body. Right. Yeah. So I want to, uh, the term you put a couple of times, concept of tapping, explain that a little bit more of the audience. What does that mean? And, and how, how is that being, how do you practice that if you may, what you do? Sure. It's called emotional freedom technique. And what it is, it's, 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 um, tapping on the meridians, which is, um, the karate chop point you start on first and typically in tapping, this is to acknowledge where the issue is. So, um, you might say, um, even though I'm feeling insecure and self-doubting and don't think I can do this, I still choose to love and honor and cherish myself. So you start with the negative first on the karate chop point and you do this three times. And then you start to tap through the points first through the negatives. So the points are eyebrow point here. So these are, these are meridians. And by tapping on these meridians, it calms your autonomic nervous system and, and starts to give dis different brain messages and different messages to your body. So the points are the eyebrow point here. So I might say, um, God, I feel so insecure and my stomach is, is rumbling. Um, I don't know why I'm so nervous, but I hate myself for it. You know, I mean, you could even say if that's the truth of it, or why does this keep happening to me? And then under, under the eye, every time I go before investors, um, I get nervous and I, and I blow it. Um, um, I have, I, I don't get the money. Um, I haven't chosen the right people for my company. Uh, I, this idea is probably lousy to begin with. So it's under the collarbone points. And the last one is um, under here, the, it's about at the bra, bra line point, then top of the head. And then you start to, so, so you go a couple rounds in negative and then you start to switch to the positive. I'm starting to feel like it's possible to be a little more confident. I feel like I can learn what it takes to do a great presentation. I, will, I feel like if I start to practice, I will start to get these kind of skills. So you go through and then you just start to do the positive. And then, and then I forgot to say in the beginning, you rate where you are on a scale of one to 10, how much, how much do you feel this way? How scared you are or, or nervous or whatever that is, or how much this is bugging you. And then at the end, you rate yourself again after you've done a number of rounds of tapping and you can do as many rounds as you like. You can do five minutes. You can do 20 minutes, depending, like if nothing's shifting, yeah. Keep going. yeah. Wow. That's cool. Thank you. I had not seen that in practice before. So thank you. And, and for those who are listening, I encourage you to listen, to watch us on YouTube because you'll actually see it. And of course, I'm sure you could do YouTube and pull things up, but I appreciate you sharing more about oh, that. And, go and go, go to the Tapping process. Solution, Nick Ortner and his family, Jessica Ortner. They're really great. That's a great introduction if you're interested in tapping. And there's all kinds of different teachers who have like different methodologies. There was just a tapping summit. I love to listen to them all because they all kind of approach it in a really different way. And people sometimes go through different meridian points. There's points on your legs and, you know, you can do all kinds of things, you know, all kinds of, there's all different kinds of meridian points on your body. So it's a, I think it's a super great, I do it every day. Um, just because there's so much stuff. <laughs> You know, I think we all have a lot of stuff and I want to, I want to move through it. It's not like it ever ends. It's not like your stuff ever ends. You know, there's always something new to shift. 
and not the truth, right? You know, it, it's, um, I think there's sometimes as younger people, whether they're young adults or young entrepreneurs, I'm like, oh, when I get to 40 or 50, it's going to get easier. And it's like, no, you actually have just more connections and more life experiences and more things. And challenges right you've gone through it just gets i think the challenges just get deeper and more subtle too if you've if you've worked through a lot of challenges it's sort of i, I have a friend who's who loves 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 therapy and she's like um you know she's married now and she's like married they've been together about four years and she's like we just we just cracked a new level of intimacy in therapy that i didn't know was possible because they were already really close but she doesn't do it she's not going to therapy because of issues she's going to become a deeper more thoughtful more um uh, uh actualized person mm-hmm. that's good that's good love it okay so i didn't know we'd be getting into this area at all i didn't know either and that's what i love about the podcast is it, it just brings out you know when you have a conversation you end up talking about really fascinating things i'm always curious and 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 so I appreciate you sharing that. And but I think what's in, I think it goes into once again, we we try to what you do, part of PR, right, is to help get people to a spot, to to a position, right, where they're being perceived in a certain way, once again, so they can sell their company or get new investing or sell a product or whatever it might be. And 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 once again, though, if we can't transform ourselves, right, into believing that that's true, just like we said in the beginning, if if the if the People who are thinking about investing, if they don't have confidence in, in those who are doing the investing, they're not going to invest in them, right? And, and so finding ways, right, for us to find techniques to help overcome that is just as important as the outcome of the words, right? And the way their position, you know, literally their position is and uh, on what they're saying on a consistent basis, because so much of it is nonverbal communication. And we're incredible human beings that can read things before they're said, you know, um, often, just like you said, when it's very quickly, like what Malcolm Gladwell talked about in his book. And so I, I think that's super fascinating. So let's, let's talk about um, your book a little bit, you know, sell it, sell yourself without selling your soul. I love that title, by the way, that's, that's um, I have hired coaches to help as we've grown to help remind me to stay consistent with who we, who, we are who I want to be, who I want our company to represent, how we're making a difference in the world, because it's not worth it to me, right? To give it up for gains. You know, it's not worth uh, giving up different parts. So with that, tell us a little bit more about what that means. You know, what what is this concept, sell yourself without selling your soul? And, and I'd kind of go into, what are some of the things that you have to help people out to help make sure that they're still accomplishing it, quote unquote, the right way? So I wrote Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul because clients, I was doing a lot of teaching and speaking at that time. And people kept coming up to me and saying, I feel like I have to brag, beg, or whore myself to get great publicity. So if you do feel that inside, and and I would ask in a room, how many of you feel like you're prostituting yourself to get publicity? And, and three quarters of the room would raise their hand. And I think the other quarter is lying. So um, so how do, then do we begin if we're already in that place of, of really um, accepting our value and sharing that value and th- those gifts. And I think a question to ask is, 
what is mine to give and what is mine to do in the lifetime, in this time that you, that you've given. Um, and that those are not easy questions, but what I, what, when I wrote the book, um, because also people believe, oh, extroverts, um, it's, you have to be extroverted. So I wrote the book for introverts and extroverts and for people who, you know, who are fast starts and, and, and slow starts and in between starts. So I really wrote it for everyone who could do it their way. So you can set up, a, it's everything from what publicity is to setting up a publicity campaign that suits your energy and style to the media training part, which is what I do now, which is, um, are you the message that you want to give? Like what Gandhi said, my life is my message. And I really do believe at that core, like what you were just saying, the core is your core and the core of what you're doing and who you are, whether it's a business book, product, service, or cause comes through in every area. And that's what we're working on every area. So in, in PR, you know, when I'm working with a company or a CEO or an entrepreneur, it's like, are, are you the best representative of your business and brand? And if not, we work on that. So it is deeply infused into every area of your business, both what is seen and unseen. Yeah. And um, I wanted to say one other thing about the introversion extroversion thing, because Adam Grant, I heard Adam Grant talking about who gets more money. And the myth is that extroverts do, but the truth is that introverts do um, in, in terms of, because sometimes extroverts are so bubbly and passionate that they're not taken seriously. And the introverts might have um, more, not that they necessarily have better stats, but because they're not so frothy, they get more money. So, and I think if you look at thought leaders today and you look at people in the culture, it really is a mix, but, but the introverts are the loudest, chirpiest voices, right? So we tend to notice them more. But there's people who are who are deep thinkers. And if we look at celebrities and, and musicians and all of that, there are plenty of them who are, even though they're on stage, because a lot of people who are on stage are introverts. My brother's one. He's a musician and will travel, but he's an introvert too. But you never know it, right? I consider myself a trained extrovert. I'm an introvert as well. Yeah. But my parents trained us very, very well, I think. Yeah, no, it's it it can be trained and and to teach people once again to communicate what they want to naturally hold within, if you may, you know, because their natural strengths. But you know, good to great. All eleven leaders were all introverts of the greatest companies in the world, based on the study that they did, the fifteen years of study. They identified that no, it's actually all of them, all of them. It was really fascinating. And now you're saying another stat, not only were they the most successful, they raised more money, right? They've had the capabilities. And, and yeah, I think there is often there's this confusion, right? Between success, right? It, it's not about necessarily vocalizing and communicating on a consistent basis. It's, it's, um, it's more about, you know, being, yes, or entertaining. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. but also there's a study, it was done by Cornell uh, about the top leaders. It was, um, were they $50 million companies, 50, 50 million and above? They did a study of the leaders and the number one quality that stood out that made them great leaders was self-awareness. And that's why when you and I are talking about those kind of background, being self-aware, knowing what your triggers are or being 
being open to discovering what those are will help you be not only a better leader and a better business owner and an entrepreneur, but a better person. Yeah, it's good stuff. Really good stuff. Okay. So in your business of what you do, how are you measuring success? And I know you asked me that question to think about it. And I have so many answers. Um, for me, peace of mind and equanimity in no matter what's going on in the outside is the most important thing to me. And my my BFF, my I have a girl BFF and a, a, a male and female BFF. And my female BFF just said, you know, I'm going to make this the year where, and she's a therapist, by the way, I, she a lawyer, a therapist, but she said, I want to make this year of joy, awe, and what was the third one? Um, I can't remember the third one, but it was something like adventure. And I thought those are such great things. And I think that for me, uh, living a life of joy is super important. And also being a person that is, I see myself as a, there's um, a, it's called, uh, there's in the, the Buddhist tradition call, calling yourself a wish fulfilling jewel. I see myself as a wish fulfilling jewel. And there's sort of a beautiful visualization of seeing like a diamond in your heart and shining it out to all beings. And that's what I, I mean, yes, I have all of this work that I do, but that's what I really want. I want to be like that shining, you know, glorious, radiant thing that just makes people feel better when they're near me. And I think that part of that is like, if I were to say, you know, what's underneath my work is really um, believing in, that that anything is possible and that people are all capable beyond measure of what they believe. And that if you do want to do something, you can do it. And that being said, like I'm five, two, I'm not going to be a great basketball player, right. Or what, whatever, but we would, within our capabilities, our physical bodies and what we were given, I think that anything is possible that, that someone aspires to. And I, and I believe that in people because I've seen it so many times too, but I think I believed it before I saw it. I, I was teaching tennis um, long, you know, long before when I was in high school. And so I remember, you know, like this one gal who's a, owns a very famous winery and said to me, um, she was a C player, not, not good, you know? And she said, do you think that I could ever be good? And I think I was about 17 at the time. And I said, absolutely. If you work at it, you know, go do the ball machine, hit thousands of balls, hit 10,000 of balls. If you work on it, you know, and this is what you want because she really wanted to be good, but she was a C player. There's a big, you know, to be, there's a wide way to get to be an A player. Will she ever get to be an A player? Maybe not, but maybe she could get to be a B. But I remember telling her, you know, absolutely, you know, and believing it like, yeah. Yep. Yep. You gotta, it's a, a fascinating, once again, the, our self-limiting beliefs, right. That prevent ourselves from being more successful in, in where an iteration. And yes. that's what I think that I was raised, I, kept, I was raised playing classical piano, not, not gifted. I was raised playing, you know, playing tennis. I picked it up, not gifted, but um, persistent. And I wanted to get good at it. And I started, I went to a tennis camp, never. And I was just like crazy for, for tennis. So I played like 10 hours a day. And the camp asked me to come back and teach. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I was 16, 
you know, it's 16. I came back to teach my peers. Right. But it was because I was so devoted because I loved it so much, but not because I was great. I wasn't ever great and I'm not great, but I was good. And I was devoted to getting better, you know, and hitting those tens of thousands of balls. And that's what I think it takes also for media to be a thought leader. It's the practice and the iteration that is not 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 hours of iteration that each Mm. time you do something, you do it a little differently and you make it a little bit better and you continue to get better and better and better until you, you reach the level of mastery that's possible for you. That's right. All right. Uh, One of our final questions, and you've shared a few of them already today that you do, but what are some habits that you do that have helped you help have excellent performance on a consistent basis? Yeah. So one of them is just that, like when I was doing Aikido and was so bad, um, I went, you know, four days a week, two hours a day, you know, consistent training practice, worst kid on the mat, like really, 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 I mean, you can't even imagine um, people would run away from me. I was so bad, you know? So for me, um, I do like, before I get out of bed, I do cat petting meditation. I pet my two cats <laughs> because it's so soothing and they're purring and, and they're there waiting for their food. Um, so that, but I also do, I do a series of meditations before I get out of bed. And I also do, um, some, uh, I have, a prayer that I say, I think you'd call it a prayer um, that I say every single day, which is um, open my path before me and grant me the opportunity to, to be of greatest good in the world. So I say that every day to open up those possibilities because I don't know what they are. Um, so I have like a series in the morning, I have a series in the evening, and I have sort of the series in between the day. And what I often recommend to my clients is if you want to start gaining control over your mind, um, every hour, stop and just breathe and clear your mind for a minute. Because then you can do it on command. You can start to clear your mind on command because our minds are so busy and we're so stuffed with, you know, pings and dings and and what we have to do. And and but if you just clear your mind for one minute every hour, you'll start to have that kind of um, command over your own mind, which is you know, mind, body, the whole, the whole thing. So those are a couple of things, but I have, you know, a pretty extensive practice and um, I walk every day and I do different things uh, walking as well. So sometimes I devote it to uh, prayer, prayer. And and I'm not saying in traditional, like what I was taught um, as a Catholic, which I thought, (laughs) but I got the idea, like I was taught as a Catholic, like I would, um, you could say like the Hail Marys as fast as you could, and then dole them out that's how I was taught. Right. So that's how I started. Like just at night, I would say a gazillion prayers and give them to people, you know? So that's, that's not what I do anymore, but, but I do extend goodwill to all beings and then to specific people as, as well. So that's a practice that I do um, daily too. Yeah. Those are a few. Thank you. Now, a book that you'd recommend to our audience, not one of your own books, of course, of course, I do recommend people to uh, pick up yours, selling yourself without oh, yeah, selling yeah, your soul. You. But, but um, what, what is a book that really inspired you that you would love to share with others? The one that I read every year, we read every year is called Path of the Sacred Warrior by Chogam Trungpa. It's an old one. He's dead. Um, but it's really about in developing internal fearlessness which by the way, I'm so far away from, you know, I'm such a 
little worrier about so many things. That's why I, I do so many practices too, because I do, I'm pretty high strung and have a lot of, you know, anxiety. So I do all of this stuff to, to, um, to manage that. Right. So I love that book because it's so, um, he was like, he was an amazing character, also a horrible womanizer and a smoker and, and like had all the foibles. He was a, you know, monk, but he, he what didn't, you know, take some, all of those as seriously as people, it, it, it was not in the confines of what we think, but, um, but I love that he had this, he has this zest for life. I think that's one of the most important thing is to follow your gypsy spirit, have this zest for life. And, um, and he really expresses that in, in that book. And I think that's at the essence of it is having that zest and, and following your own gypsy spirit. And I think that book really embodies that for me, because it doesn't matter what you do after that, if you have that spirit. Yeah. Susan, how can people connect and uh, learn more about you? Yeah, they can go to prsecrets.com, like public relations secrets with an S.com. And I have all kinds of great free things. I've got free videos, free special reports, free masterclasses. Um, so you can get everything. One thing that I would recommend for all of your people who everybody needs to have a signature story, whether if you're going to do any kind of PR and any kind of um, fundraising of any sort. So that's at prsecrets.com forward slash sig pod, like signature story podcast. So I would recommend that. Oh, so you get five. Uh, it's, it's super quick. It's five templates that I've created for you that you can do in five minutes. So everybody can get the bones of their, of their signature story down the five most, what I've, what I have dissected and uh, reverse engineered are the most common um, signature story types. There's plenty more, but, but th those will give you a great start. Yeah. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Susan, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest on Measure Test Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone else who's listening, we uh, just thank you for listening to the podcast, listening to Susan uh, with, without your ratings, without uh, the referrals and recommendations from guests we have coming in to pour in to, to share their great secrets. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you so much for listening. And to, of course, we always say to you as our parting, uh, we wish you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.